2: Ooh, it's been a rough week to be a Carlisle fan. Oh, greet me, Maris. Welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. This is episode 33. I am your host, Skelly, and we have a lot of things to discuss on today's show. We will be getting joined by Will to discuss all the goings-on that have been going in and out of Brooklyn Park this week, as well as all the results, blah, blah, blah. I'll run through all that nonsense later, but what we'd like to start... The Blue Army Podcast with is good times, good vibes, positive vibrations. Let's try and clear our mental anguishes for an hour and a couple of minutes and sit down and just enjoy this little bit of audio content. So hopefully we'll put you in a good mood. And we're gonna start that effort by telling you the Blue Army Podcast Joke of the Week. Is he having a laugh?
0: I think he's trying to. It's
2: the The Blue Blue Army
3: Podcast.
0: Joke of the Week.
2: I hope that doesn't become a running theme, don't you? Anyway, this week's Joke of the Week is a good one. Here we go. What breed of dog can jump higher than buildings? Have a little think about it. Can you hear them dogs barking in the distance? Bloody neighbours. What breed of dog can jump higher than buildings? Go on, have a guess. Any dog. Because buildings can't jump. (laughs) Oh, Christ. Does that one really need explaining? I think for the first time ever... I'm not even going to put the effort into explaining the joke this week. I think I'm not even going to bother because if you didn't get it, you can just go back and listen to it. Just go back and listen to it. If you didn't get it, just go back and listen to it. If you don't get it again, just skip forward a couple of minutes until you get to the start of the podcast. Talking about starting the podcast, I am joined by Wills this week. So, without further ado... Let's, uh, let's jump across and introduce Wills. Before I do that, though, very quickly, very, very quickly, if you're a band, a podcast, or, in fact, a local business, and you'd like a little bit of free advertisement, then please get in contact with us at thebluearmypod at gmail.com. That is thebluearmypod at gmail.com. Dot com, And if you want us to plug your small business or your band or your podcast or just your events even, we'll do that. We'll do events. Anything you want to get loud about in the local area. Let's take it back to the roots of... The Loud and Local segment. Let's take it all the way back to the roots. I think we're going to do a podcast. We're going to plug somebody else's podcast at the end of today's episode. So, yeah, you've got a whole week to get your shit together. And uh, I'll, I'll do an advert for you if you've got a small business. Probably better off if you record like a, a minute voice note probably for your for your business and then just send it over to me and I'll play it at the end of the podcast and you can have a little advert at the end of the podcast and it's free advertisement so get yourselves involved if you want to get involved like I said bands podcasts questions anything just come and get involved with the Blue Army podcast but if you really want to get involved in the Loud and Local segment and you've got something in the Carlisle Cumbria local area that is worth getting loud about let us know let us know and we We'll get loud about it for you, and we'll help you get loud about it. All right, let's crack on with the show. I'm joined by Wills today. This is episode 33 of the podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. In a
4: bit. Yeah, oh, they just they just want everything done their way.
2: They do, they do, they absolutely do, and we don't get anything our way. Um, and just just so just so the listeners know, that is the voice of Wills. Wills is joining me today on oh. the Blue Army podcast. <laughs> this is episode 33, and, uh, yeah, we're just going to go bloody rough and ready with it today, Wills. How are you getting on? You are all right, man?
4: Yes, not bad. I've had a week away, and I feel better for it, so... That's it, man.
2: Good, good, <laughs> yes. good. We're happy. We needed to give you a break. Liam Denwood stepped in last week on the Blue Army mm. podcast. He's from Blue Army TV. No strict affiliation, as in, like, we're not in yeah. partnership with each other or anything like that. Yeah. But what a I great
4: mean, I mean, yeah, you're both obviously part of the Blue Army Liam franchise. That's but, you, it, you know, know, you're not, yeah, you, you're kind of independent operators of that franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think
2: I don't think there's gonna be that much interest in more people expanding the franchise. But um, weird set of circumstances makes the world feel small. Both called Liam, both love Carlisle United, and uh, both do Carlisle United related content in our respective format. <laughs> right, mate, um, so I'm glad that you managed to have a week off because I reckon if we were slogging along the path, this week might have been a bit tougher to take because, uh, unfortunately, we slumped to another defeat. In fact, do you know what, wheels? I'll just tell you what, we're, what, what you've got to look forward to having a crack with me about today mm, yeah. on the podcast. Today on the podcast, we have some match crack to get through. As I'm sure you all know, Carlisle lost last Saturday 2-1 at the hands of Hartlepool. wasn't a good performance, so we've got lots to discuss. At the time of recording, and I'm talking about right now, it is transfer deadline day. And um, speaking about transfer deadline day, there's obviously been a lot going on in and out of Carlisle. So we'll be going on to talk about those transfer dealings. And then we'll look ahead to the game on Saturday against Salford City. And uh, we'll talk about the free spending big money boys who have had a bit of a stuttering start to their league campaign this year. And uh, if we think we've been having a bad week, Well, they've not been having the best of times to start the season, so Wills, mate, it's beautiful to have you back. And uh, before we dive into a bit of a headache of a defeat against Hartlepool, let's have a bit of good news. Do you fancy a Sam Fishburn update?
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, let's have a Sam Fishburne update. You know, let's we know how big a support mate. you are of this young man's career.
2: Oh, mate, he's got star written all over him. He really does. 17 years of age now and uh, seven goals in five games. He's been scoring again, this time against one of the best teams in the league. And. Um, He's looking good, mate. He's looking sharp. He's looking confident. He's enjoying his football. I mean, I know he's only had five games at that level, but I'd already be looking to pull him out of that level and push him in maybe the step above before the transfer market closes. Um, But very exciting stuff that we get to talk about again this week on the podcast. Sam Fishburn scoring again. Your thoughts on that, Will?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's exciting to see that he's stepped up, maybe not, in quality so much. I'm not sure what the quality's like at Lancaster's level compared to the sort of youth team football that he was playing for us before, Um, Mm -hmm. but certainly in kind of intensity and the fact that he's playing proper senior football against players who are actually trying to stop him scoring against, you know, I mean, I I think there's an idea and I've never, I'm not involved in youth football, I don't know, but I think there's a general idea that if you're a, a skillful attacker in youth football, defenders aren't really trying as hard to stop you from scoring because I mean you know, I mean, they don't want to injure themselves, you know, by throwing themselves into tackles or by going up you know physically against you. It is made a, a step up, even if it's not necessarily a step up in ability, it's a step up in intensity. So it's good. It's good to see you still scoring. Um, I think we've got a you know a really promising young player on our hands. I think so too. And as well as
2: a lot of the youth not appearing on the bench for the second game in a row, I would kind of be thinking that there'll be a couple more loan deals in the very near future for a lot of those uh, young lads like Bell and Dixon and uh, maybe even Charters to get a bit more regular first team football because they've been in and around the first team they know what a, a professional males mm-hmm. changing room is like they've been around the competitive nature of it they just haven't got the minutes under the belt yet and that's the important part and that's what I want to see going forward even if it is on loan because as you can see Sam Fishburn is obviously very much be- benefiting from playing week in week out competitively uh, so yeah. we'll move on mate so I like I, I, I wanted to open on something a little bit positive before we went on to talk about the result we talk about the result every single week and this week is no different but this week's not quite as fun because we lost 2-1 to Hartlepool we sold out the away supporting stand everyone's been talking about that Hartlepool did a good job yeah. themselves of filling up the stadium as well um Sounded like a really good atmosphere. The game plan will the game plan um, as always. Yeah. I'll go through the Carlisle United lineup and then maybe that'll give people a little bit more um, remembrance of of the team. And then we'll then we'll have a crack, mate. Then we'll then we'll just what was going on with the game plan, right? Yeah, <laughs> we had Norman in goal and then a back five of Tara Whelan, Feeney, McDonald, and Armour, A midfield three of Riley, Guy, and Mellish. And a front two of Abrahams and Clough. Now, Wills, mate. Yeah. (sighs) Knock your socks off, mate. Have a crack. What was the, what was, why did we go? We were matching them, didn't we? We matched them. We went five, three, two, and that's what they play. And we matched them. Why did we try and match them? What was, what what was your mindset going on in in that game?
4: I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. So I was on holiday in York. um, Mm And so I, 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 I wasn't even able to listen to the game on the radio. So I got the score. I read a few people's opinions about it. I've seen the goals, but that's all I know about the game. So um, I can't, other than kind of like just repeating what people have told me, I can't really say much about um, how I think we played, but I hear it wasn't good. And when I saw the lineup with five at the back, I wasn't really surprised. Um, no. my thinking about why we did that. Um, so I mean, that's news to me that we maybe try to match Hartlepool. Um, yeah. my kind of thinking was that was that Chris Beach uh, really likes Morgan Feeney, and you know, um, maybe he would have featured a lot last season if he'd not been injured. I don't know whether he's whether he's a high-earning player, whether he was, I think he was maybe considered a bit of a coup when we signed him, but he hasn't been able to get into the squad yet properly because he was injured in his first season and then the second season. uh, An injury at the start of the season and McDonald and Whelan kind of formed an effective-looking partnership that kind of, Relegated Feeney to back up again, um, while he was I, getting
2: fitness back, I suppose. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's, there's, a lack, like there's, a there's a lack of injury? there's a lack of presence yeah. at the back for Carlisle at the moment, it, especially in those central a, positions.
4: He did have a small injury at the start of the season, like I remember, yeah. because I was at he, he picked it up in a friendly, and then he wasn't available for selection for the first game, at least. And um, I I don't know if Chris Beach maybe. F- you know, maybe feels that he that that he has to fit him in somewhere. Hmm. Um so yeah, but I mean like you know most fans as soon as I saw like five three two lineup thought we're not going to look very good defensively and it sounds like we didn't so I think the
2: idea of playing five at the back, especially with Chris Beach, is that, I mean, Feeney's reputation isn't that he's amazingly strong in the air and a physically dominating defender. Feeney's reputation is that he's a ball-playing defender. Yeah. You would imagine the idea would have been to get the ball into, play the ball from the back through Feeney, basically, in that central position and and, and let him utilise the two full-backs, so you've got the other two centre-backs on either side of him, so the full-backs can be making those runs and Feeney would be potentially playing those guys in, also playing it into the midfield and etc, etc. I think Feeney and Guy, being the two central players, they will be quite happy to chop and change if the runs are available for each other. I think the idea is that when Carlisle play five at the back, for Feeney to be quite a creative player, and not necessarily stuck as the, the anchorage of the defence, but pushing slightly further ahead of his two centre-backs.
4: But, uh, yeah, but
2: obviously... You just, we didn't get enough time to see what the game plan was supposed to be. Hartlepool was so dominant in the opening stages that everything just fell back. And and the and the back five just fell into a very flat back five and the wing backs turned into full backs. And, yeah. and they were just getting pinned in. They were just getting pinned down. And Feeney wasn't in any time on the ball, really. And when he did... I mean, Whelan wasn't looking to pass to him, and McDonald don't look to pass to him. I think they both go for the long balls anyway, which makes yeah. Feeney a little bit more redundant. If the idea of playing Feeney is that he's a ball-playing defender, if the other two centre backs are just going to hoof it long anyway, then there's no point in 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 that system. But the opening stages. Is- like the first couple of minutes were a bit weird, weren't they? Cause Clough scored with his hand apparently, and he would have been on that yellow for the, obviously the rest of the half. And I think that played a little bit into him getting substituted off towards the, towards the like 70 odd minute when he made the triple substitution. And we'll go on to talk about the impact of making triple substitutions a little bit later yeah. on, but Close performance, he was probably the best player in attack for Carlisle. Most things came from him. The goal came from him. Yeah. Um, he just couldn't do enough to to link the team together. I think he was maybe a little bit isolated when he was on the ball yeah. most of the time. When he picked up the ball, I mean, you saw with his goal, it was a, it was a give and go from him. He picked up the ball close to the halfway line, ran with it, passed it out to the wing, and then got into the box. And he got he scored the goal. Really good play from from Clough, but
4: yeah, it was a good it was a good um, you know getting on the end of things from him. Did a yeah. good finish.
2: But it was almost as if he was he was pulling the strings, you know, and he was the only player capable of pulling the strings at the time. It, it felt in the in in the first half of that game, and then in the second half of that game, that kind of fell away. Yeah. So Carlisle, obviously, like I mentioned, we were, it looked like we were trying to match the Hartlepool game plan, and that mm-hmm. seems to be the team that they play most weeks, week in week out. And Hartlepool's home record is is a solid record. It's a very good record. And in my opinion, if I was in charge of Carlisle United, I would have gone with three up front, uh, four at the back and three in the midfield. And I would have tried to outscore my opponents. That's what I would have tried to have done. I would have played Clough, Abrahams and Impala probably because yeah. I want Abrahams and Impala to be physical and strong and flicking that ball onto Clough. And Clough needs to not be going for the header, not trying to win the ball in the air at all. He needs to be going for the flick-ons. And if you play two tall strikers with him, two tall wingers with him, but slightly more centrally with the ability to go wide, then I think you're turning Clough into quite a weapon, but he needs to be fed and he will get fed if you get those two big lads around him. Um, But yeah, mate, the game went the way it went and Hartlepool took the lead in the 13th minute. Uh, Tanner who we'll we'll talk about later on, who's who's, who's recently left the club and gone to Bristol City, leaving his mark in not the best of ways. He miscleared the ball. It was uh, poorly dealt with by him. Um, Defender got on the end of it and and then passed it out for a layoff at the edge of the box. And Hartlepool took the lead. Carlisle's defence slow to react as well, considering we've got three centre-backs, <laughs> nobody yeah. closing him down at the edge of the box. There was room yeah. at the edge of the box for both goals. Um, I mean, what did you think of the first when, yeah. goal, man?
4: Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you have three centre-backs and you're, you know, you're used to playing with two, it can end up looking like you're actually creating more space at the back if, <laughs>
2: Nobody if, took control. Nobody went to close down. Nobody was the person, I'll go, I'm going, my ball. You know, there was just all three of them were waiting for the other one to do it.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the backs who formed a, Yeah, if you've got two centre-backs who formed a good working <coughs> partnership, as McDonald and Whelan seem to have done, then mm-hmm. part of that is that they both... Uh, you know, that they both understand what their area of responsibility is so that you don't have players... Who run into a gap and nobody knows whose job it is to pick it up? So, you know, maybe if we'd kind of like if we pers- if we persevered with three at the back, or we'd done so more in pre season, then a three a back three of of McDonald, Feeney, and Whelan would have would have generated that understanding but it didn't happen. We ended up with uh, a back two of McDonald and Whelan. And, you know, sometimes it can take a while for defenders to get an understanding. So I think, you know, credit to them. They did that pretty fast. You you then just kind of like, do you want to change that and have a switch to a back three and, you know... Let them have a few to keep... games to try and form an understanding, knowing that you're going to be poor defensively for those I think you've got to keep games. this
2: formation, Will. I think you've got to yeah. keep this format. I think Danny Devine, who's coming back from injury, I think Danny can also play that Feeney role. Um, yeah. So you've got two options there. Um, but obviously now we're lacking a right back. <laughs> so yeah. it looks like someone's going to get pushed out there. That might be Feeney. That might be Divine. Yeah. That gets pushed out wide. Who knows? Whelan. Corey Whelan has uh, played yeah. right back before at academy level. I'm pretty sure he could get pushed yeah. out right. And uh, Feeney and McDonald could play in the middle. I mean, who knows, man? Who knows? Divine could come in. Who, who, who really knows? It's quite exciting yeah. looking forward to next week and seeing what kind of chops and changes that we can make going into yeah. it. But, yeah, I, I think you've got to stay. If you're going to do this, I think this was the game plan from day one. And I feel like because Feeney got injured that, he had to play four four two, and that's the way we entered the season. But I feel like the yeah. back five was always the plan. I do feel like the back five was always the plan because we recruited yeah. at the back uh, in those positions. And yeah, we lost. We no one expected to lose Hayden. So yeah. obviously, we'll we'll see we'll see sort of where that ends up. But yeah, Hartlepool took the lead one nil to Hartlepool. It was only about fifteen minutes later. When, like we've already mentioned, Zach Clough picked the ball up on the halfway line after a clearance, uh, moved inside with it, passed it out left, and then was on the receiving end of the cross. Uh, good improvised finish. It was a sort of volley uh, and it was behind him. So he had to do a lot to, to get the ball in the back of the net. Showed some really good technique and scored his first competitive goal for Carlisle United. So mm, going to be pretty happy yeah.
4: about that. Yeah. Um, You know, if I hadn't read the reports from people about how poorly we played, then I probably wouldn't be all that down about losing 2-1 away from home against the Hartlepool side, who seem to have some decent players about them. Um, And I'm basically... Any pessimism that's come from that game on my part is based on what I've read from other people about, about how we actually played in the heart of the dominated us and we ruled miles off. Uh, the Callum guy, of course, admitted that himself, that, that they weren't good enough. Mm. But, you know, I would have otherwise looked at it and said, OK, you know, we have to lose at some point. We've only lost by one goal. And Zach Clough's opened his account and hopefully he'll continue scoring. Um, but you know so yeah i think that's uh I, th- I think that's like the main positive to take from the game and hopefully it is a positive that we can kind of take into into future games as well upcoming fixtures yeah
2: i I hope it i hope it helps him Uh, obviously at the end of a defeat Mm -hmm. then maybe you don't feel like you don't feel like you know celebrating that you've got your first goal for a club but i hope it i hope it does help him and he kicks on he can go forward Mm -hmm. i think he's here to play as a striker speaking to liam denwood Uh, last week, before we started recording, about the video that he did on his YouTube channel. He thinks that Clough is best in an attacking midfield role. And I'm not disagreeing with him. I'm not saying that's not his better position. But I think the reason why Clough has dropped the level and came to us and Chris Beach is because Chris Beach and has the number 10 shirt is because Chris Beach has agreed because Clough wants to play as a striker and Chris Beach has agreed to play him as a striker. I feel like that's yeah. the reason why he's here. I feel like if he was going to have to play in the central midfield role, he wouldn't be here. Um, so I'm not saying that he wouldn't do that if obviously the team needed it, if we were losing games and he wanted mm. to maybe drop him into an attacking role with two strikers ahead of him. I'm not saying Clough is going to spit his toys out the pram if that kind of yeah. thing happens. But, you know he's expecting to get a good chance and a good run as playing up front as a striker. And it's not really a fair judgment of him. If we're not able to give him the supply that he needs to score goals at this level. And what he needs is the ball at his feet. And to get that, he needs big men around him that can flick the ball onto him and get them all bring the ball down and get it into his feet. But he can't be receiving 40, 50 yard balls from the back and trying to beat six foot four defenders. That's not his his game. But really good goal. That's the kind of goal I'm expecting to see from Clough this year a couple of times. Like I said, he got the ball down on the floor. He ran with it. He made the right run, and it was a good volleyed finish. It wasn't a header. It was a a good volleyed finish. And uh, at that point, it's one all. And I'm thinking, all right, all right, here we go. Let's get into the game a little bit. And then the second half came... um, Halftime whistle and they came out for the second half and it didn't seem like there was much impact from any kind of halftime team talk and the team just sort of like cracked on where they left off and they were a bit lacklustre again. And it didn't say, well, it did. It took about 20 minutes before Hartlepool retook the lead and a long throw into the area, poorly dealt with by armour, headed it to the edge of his own box with a poor backpedaling back header, and it was volleyed home by Hulahan. Uh, it was an all right goal, you know. It was set up for a peach for him. You, you, you know, when you when you're sitting at home playing FIFA and you get a corner, yeah. you you want a ball to come to you like the way the ball came. To. You love those volleys, those dipping side yeah. volleys. Very very nice looking goals. Very nice to hit. It was a good goal. It was worthy of perhaps winning. The game, I couldn't help thinking, Will, and I'm sorry to say, I, yes. I know we got we went down this goalkeeping route last year. I couldn't yeah. help thinking that the extra couple of inches that Jensen has, he could have saved that. It was quite close to, it was quite close to Norman. I couldn't help thinking that I think Jensen could have saved that. Um, I'm going to put my little wooden spoon and leave it there. Um, yep. You can leave it there if you want, and we can talk about goalkeepers. But I mean, tell us about, tell us your thoughts on
4: that goal. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I I kind of like, probably agree that a taller goalkeeper might have got it. yeah. Yeah, whether that's the only factor in in choosing a goalkeeper, I don't know. I'm still quite undecided on that, because I think Magnus Norman's kind of come in and he's got some good some good attributes, showed some good attributes for at the end of last season when he was given a chance as well. Um, but then Jensen is someone who looks quite dominant. And, uh, you know, I, I'd kind of like to see more from him as well. Mm-hmm. The only problem is you can't mix and match goalkeepers, really. You, you know, you've kind of got to pick one and and make him your number one. I feel so, like there's, there's, a, there's a certain amount
2: of time at the start of a season that if you've got yeah. two goalkeepers that are arguably in competition with each other, you know, to, to take Norman out of the side and put Jensen in for two games might just give Norman a shot in the arm and turn him into an even better goalkeeper. But if you stick with somebody, that consistency maybe makes someone a little bit
4: lazy, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Maybe you can do early in the season, um, whether we'll see some of more of Jensen. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think we'll Yuclid, see him tonight in the cup. Uh, I'd like to see him tonight oh, in the Oh, yeah, club. probably, probably. And you mm. kind of pick up on um, Jack Armour as well, who, you know, he, he, he also assisted the goal. And I am kind of like, I'm just looking, just trying to look and see how many assists he's had so far this season. Because oh it seems to be, it seems to be popping up and kind of, you know, kind of becoming a, a bit of a goal threat. In himself, in terms of like assists, but I'm I'm not sure if he's got loads. Okay, yeah, So it's his first assist this season. Um, but he does get in the season. right positions,
2: notably. You know, yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Carlisle are being quite wasteful. Our strikers are being quite wasteful. I feel like Armour would have, if if we if we had better strikers, Armour might have like three or four assists by now.
4: Yeah, and um, possibly yeah. Uh, I mean, like I think part of our problem is not just the strikers, but the quality of the chances we create for them as well hmm. but um you know it's still early in the season we haven't really seen everything you know you know that will kind of for someone like Clough up front but you know that we'll, we'll start seeing a lot more goals come from the sorts of assists that someone like Jack Armour can provide. Yeah, I think Jack Armour is,
2: is very good on that left-hand side um Both our fullbacks are very good young fullbacks. Both of them would Mm. be targets for for anybody a step or two steps above us. Just because of their age alone, they're a worthwhile investment. Um, Even if you bring them in and loan them back to us, Bristol City. Even if you bring them in and loan them back to us, Bristol City. I'm just talking to any Bristol City people out there. Even if you bring a player (laughs) in, you can still loan them back to them. And, uh, I think Bristol City I think,
4: yeah.
0: think, think they intend Chris...
2: playing him I, th- I, th- I think they intend yeah. playing him <laughs> yeah. I do actually <laughs> think they <laughs> do intend on playing him
0: but <laughs> it, would be, it would
2: be nice, I would hate I don't think we can afford like, Armour's a really good player as well, arguably in my opinion, yeah. Armour's the better fullback I feel like yeah. it's, it's, it's better for a team to have a difficult left-hand side because there isn't that many good left-sided players and therefore right-sided defenders aren't always that good so when they come up against a left-sided player that's really good they yeah. can struggle and he's one of those standout people that is a level above those sort of right backs that he, he makes he makes teams struggle against him on, on that way he's very comfortable on the left-hand side he thinks I think he goes into every game knowing that he can beat his man yeah. Um
4: will we still have him at the end of the day that's well, th-
2: it, that's the thing. I wouldn't, if, if we let him go, right, I'd want at least half a million up front and yeah. a loan back until the end of the season because we can't afford to let anyone else bloody go now. We can't. <laughs> we just can't afford to let anyone else go now. And I mean, you know, the only sort of team that's got that kind of money and that kind of... Ability just to give us a player back is like maybe a, a Leeds or a Newcastle or a Celtic or a Rangers, and so you know it's it, it, it's around it's around there maybe. I mean, here's the thing: I think Armour would be a really good fit at Hibernian, who are flying at the moment in the SPL, and they might want to splash their splash their cash a little bit, you know, because uh, they don't spend often and they've got a little bit in the back pocket at the moment. So uh, it's one of those things. The, it's, it's, I don't have I mean <laughs> I don't want to fuel the fire. I don't want to fuel yeah. the fire, but I do. I can see armor. That would be a quick way for him to uh, one day end up at a, a higher level. <laughs> he'll end up in this. He'll go. He'll go. He's got to go to a top division. Yeah. In my opinion, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say something tonight, mate. As well as being transferred deadline day, it is the uh, pizza cup as well. And, yeah, yeah. You know uh, the pizza cup that nobody seems to care about, especially me. I'm not a fan. Um, no. unless unless we get to a semi-final then I'll start getting interested
4: <laughs> but mildly I hope
2: <laughs> is it yeah mildly yeah. Um, yeah. but is it is it is it a, just an unwanted distraction today because obviously the transfer window is what we're really interested in most Carlisle fans are expecting us to bring in a couple players uh, before yeah. the end of the transfer window we've brought in somebody and we'll move on to talk about that a little bit later but yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't want to be playing this game tonight, really. To be honest, I'd expect us to rest most of the players that played no, against really. Hartlepool. Play a lot of those players that weren't even on the bench, like your Dixons, like your Charters. Yeah. To see how they get on uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the trophy, and then plough yeah. plough on. Start planning for Salford. Just you know, just just start planning for Salford now.
4: Yeah, I mean the you know the timing's not really ideal, but I guess this is why you have a director of football. Um, I don't think Chris Beach is identifying targets at this time. So, in theory, there shouldn't be you know in theory it should be a quiet day for Chris Beach in terms of in terms of actually transfer dealings, and and the only thing he should be required to do from now on he's turn up at the ground to fold his arms for the photo <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't even think he does it anymore mate I'm pretty sure they just photoshop him in
4: oh, pretty right, sure you mean photoshop...
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just photoshop him in now mate I'm pretty sure like they just line it up line it up with the sign and the background like yeah. you have a look at some of them pictures mate you have a look at some of
4: them <laughs> But yeah so I mean like it shouldn't really affect us that although you know if there is anything for chris beach to do cuz you know i mean it, it, you know there might still be you know there might still be a role for him to play on transfer deadline day uh, but certainly i think like his is identified his targets and mm-hmm. the ball is now in uh, the the ball's now in david holsworth's court mm-hmm. so yeah um, but, you know, it, it's unpredictable, transfer deadline day, so you don't know what you might be, you know, you, you can't necessarily say to Chris, okay, um, you just focus on the match tonight. We don't need you for anything that happens today. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I just... Uh,
2: I don't think we're going to lose anyone else, apart from a lot of people are whispering that Toure might go. A lot of people are whispering about Toure, maybe leave it. I'll talk about about that when we get to it. So, we'll finish talking about the game. I'll finish talking about the game. Uh, I just want to note, I was looking at the Carlisle United bench for the match, and uh, Divine, Alessandra, Dickinson, and Paula Toure, Young. Not a lot of variation on the bench there. Uh, A lot of attackers, a goalkeeper, and Divine. Um, So... A little bit strange. There was the triple substitution as well. Uh, Dickinson, Alessandra and Young all coming on in the 73rd minute for Clough, Abrahams and Feeney, respectively. Obviously, that came with a change in formation for Carlisle. Four minutes after the goal went in. So, trying to change up the game plan. Too too late, maybe? Too
4: extreme? Seems so. Uh, I mean, you know, usually when you see a triple substitution... It means that the managers starting to run out of ideas a bit. I don't think you kind of ever go into a game and plan to make a triple substitution at a certain point, depending on how things are going. I think, from what it sounds, things, you know, weren't going well, not just the fact that we were behind, but the fact that it looked like we weren't going to get back into the game. So, South Beach has made a... Triple substitution, and I'm not sure that I heard the names of any of those players who were brought on mentioned in a meaningful way in any of the discussion of the match afterwards, so Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it had little impact
2: Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see, obviously, Young get a couple of minutes, but like Dickinson's not been having a very good season so far. So you were thinking when he was coming off the bench, like he better have a good game because he hasn't had a good game yet, really. Alessandra, when he came on, I'll be honest, I'll notice that Mellish was more forward than Alessandra for most of the time after Alessandra came on. And I don't know if that's because Alessandra gets pushed out right, But he did come on for Abraham. So, I I mean, I don't know what the game plan was after those substitutions. The the, the whole shape just kind of got messed up a little bit. I noticed that like Guy and Riley started playing really close together. And when Mm -hmm. the ball was going into the midfield, they were both going for it at the same time. And that really doesn't normally happen with those two. They're normally good at communicating with each other. Yeah, um, and they know to go for which ball. But there was at least two occasions in the last fifteen minutes where Ryan Garley guy went for the Riley and guy Riley, guyly, <laughs> um, the hybrid. Uh, Is he guy like one
4: of
2: the R- players who've been
4: linked
2: with a good old Ryan Ryan Garley <laughs> That'd be good. If it's a hybrid. Yeah, it's, it's it'd be a hell of a player though. It'd be a good player. Um, but, no, Guy and Riley, they, they, I don't know what it was. I don't know because the change in formation maybe messed them around a little bit and they weren't quite sure where they were anymore and what side of each other yeah. they should be. But the last 15 minutes was really, you know, worrying. And the fact that we made changes so we would be more effective going forward and it just didn't have an effect whatsoever going forward was, it was, it was a big shame, mate. And to be honest, I was disappointed with the result, not happy about it, but the... The interviews from the players and Chris Beach after the game was very commendable, I would say. They they accepted that, you know, I mean, Guy accepted from the players' point of view it wasn't good enough, something wasn't kicking yeah. it wasn't right. Um, but they believed in the game plan going into the game, which means that, you know, he's standing up for his manager. You know, it's not like his manager was going rogue and just sort of imposing a game plan onto them and a formation onto them. Apparently, you know, they were all happy to do it. They're all happy to play the formation. It was going well in training. So that's a good signifier. And then Beach himself came out and took ownership of it. Um, Say, you know, he just basically said that we changed the formation. It wasn't quite clicking. People looked tired maybe, Um, but they took, they took it on board. They weren't blaming the referee. They weren't looking for excuses uh, which was nice to see because sometimes Chris Beaches is look is good uh, at looking for excuses on occasion. Normally, when he's got good excuses to make, don't get me wrong. Yeah,
4: yeah, I <laughs> mean uh, he does, it, mean, it, he does it, like to kind of like bring up, you know, is 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 not often that complimentary of referees. No, <laughs> 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 it's very it's very clever
2: about it though, isn't it? <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah, he tends to fly under the radar. I've seen a few opposition commentators, uh, not commentators, a few opposition fans uh, mention that Chris Beach in his comments is blamed the referee. But you know, he he usually doesn't get picked up on it by pundits or anything like that. He's not developed anything of a reputation as a referee beta. So. <laughs> the, <laughs> Managing, he's managing is is managing to avoid kind of you know being too ridiculous in his post match comments.
2: No, absolutely, but I feel like he always airs on the right side of humor as well. That's what I like. I mean when I got, when I managed to speak to him, he took the piss out of me a little bit. I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> it's quite good. Yeah. Cool. Sort of took the nerves away. It was nice. <laughs> sort, of not, sort of just normalised me a little bit. You know what I mean? Just sort like, of, all right, kid, calm down. Okay, you know, we're, yeah. we're just having a chat. It's nothing crazy. <laughs> um lovely so i mean before we go on to talk about the salford there uh, which is the game next week salford 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 keys um my 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 next door neighbours salford fc let's give yeah begrudgingly perhaps because now we are doing the foxies feature and there will yeah. be a winner let's begrudgingly give some people a man of the match award
4: okay are you looking to me to make the first move?
2: Uh yeah, go ahead. You go first, mate. You go okay. first. Okay.
4: I mean, like, you know, my uh, my uh my man of the match award comes with the caveat that I haven't actually watched the match. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but I'm gonna get I'm gonna give it to Zach Clough because he got off the mark.
2: Okay, yeah,
4: fair enough, Zach. Clough is yours. So that's,
2: yeah. uh, I think that's the first one of him for this season. And mine is also going to be a first ever of the season. I'm actually going to give my man of the match to Corey Whelan. Um, somebody who I yeah. was very critical of going into preseason, but I would say was the more solid of our defenders on the day. Um, he had a lot to put up with. There was a lot of aerial bombardment and yeah. he showed some very good character on a very difficult day for Carlisle United. And, um, yeah, I feel like you know on a day where most people performed poorly, um he performed okay <laughs>
4: okay <laughs> the, yeah
2: I feel like that's I feel like that's fair he also um I'd, I'd like to see him be, get on the end of a couple more corners because he got close in the game. Yeah, um, He got very close in the game. And and I feel like if he had a bit more confidence about his character, he would have, you know, if he gets one of those headers in the back of the net, he's going to be, every time he goes up for a corner, he's going to be looking for it. I just, nice, it'd be nice to see him get one from a corner and just see if he can get maybe like five or six as the season goes on. Because he is our tallest centre-back. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, the, I might be our tallest player on the pitch uh, in the start 11, maybe apart from Tristan, but we'll see we'll, you know, by the by, but yeah, there you go, Corey, mate. Um, you've turned it around for me, uh, especially on that game. And uh, I'm sure you don't care, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Salford city is our next opponents, mate. They got their first win of the season last week. They beat Newport County by three goes to nil. Uh, They're a team that have been tipped to do well this year, but have stuttered. There are a lot of draws and uh, a defeat. Hopefully, we're not going to be on the backlash of a comeback into form for Salford City. You know, I am a bit worried. They are a dangerous team, but Carlisle United are playing at home. What are your thoughts going into Salford City, buddy? They
4: had a bit of a poor start of the season. Uh, Surprisingly for them, they haven't changed their manager as a result of it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, Gary Bowyer uh, is still in his job and they picked up a a, a fairly good win. So they, you know, that I think we I think we know they're gonna be dangerous.
2: Yeah.
4: I'd expect them to have a bit
2: of activity between uh now and the end of the transfer market as well. Between now and when we play them on Saturday, I'd imagine they'd have a, yeah, a couple but- more people in.
4: They have um, signed somebody today, uh, Loney from a from Hull, Andy Smith. Uh, yeah. Someone, someone I know nothing about is, is nineteen. So, but he, you know, um, so he might be someone who is still yet to make. I think he is someone who's still yet to make his first senior appearance. So not. Quite what I was expecting from them, but, you know, there's still a fair few hours left.
2: There is. Um, if you've ever seen any sort of like backs uh, behind the scene footage of the dealings going on at Salford, you see that they've got very excitable owners and they like to get a bit of wheeling and dealing done. And they've got very good contacts. So they could literally yeah. pull off uh, a lot. You know, in the past they've brought in, um, was it Wilson, the striker? On the, uh, on the on the final day of the transfer window. I think they've since let him yeah. go. By the time, it was a big deal because he was literally stepping down from Man United. Um, I think he maybe played twice for Man United that year as well. Uh, so it was a big step down for him and he ended up signing on a dotted line for them. And uh, yeah, they can catch people off guards with some very good signings. They've got the capability, they've got the contacts, they've got the money in the back pocket and they can do the deals. Um, but that's all by the bye. Yeah. Because I reckon, mate, I reckon... Carlisle at home on the back of a defeat against their rivals and I reckon Salford's going to be a pretty good crowd as well, they're going to bring some supporters with them because they're not too far away we're going to do alright at home we're going to bring enough supporters in and hopefully we can with a couple of changes you know if like maybe Young plays in the cup and scores a couple of goals in the cup something yeah. like that bit of that shoot of confidence I reckon we can beat Salford 2-1 at home. What do you reckon?
1: We
4: can definitely beat them. Um, haven't seen anything this season to suggest that there's teams out there who are miles ahead of us. So, you know, we should we should be relatively confident that we can kind of put the issues with Hartlepool behind us, um, obviously, uh, without having George Tanner either. You know, there's also a setback but yeah i think I think we can i think we can beat them um and i I feel like i have got to be quite uh quite optimistic because we need to turn things you know we need to get another win, mm-hmm. so yeah, two one. Gonna
0: yeah, right. Then we're, we're
2: green on that one, eh? Hey, Check <laughs> out that. Right. As a as, a, yeah, yeah, as yeah, I'm having yeah. a little chat to you now, mate. I had a little thing come into my brain, yeah. And I'm just going to double check it now. Earlier on, in the is he still signed up with them? Because obviously we've sold Tanner to Bristol City, and earlier on yeah. in the summer we did a little bit of a transfer. Is he still with Bristol City? Ah, yes, he is. Balls. Right. OK, then. No worries. So I was thinking for a second there, mate. What I was thinking was because George Tanner disappeared off to Bristol City and in our summer transfer dealing sort of thing that we were having a crack about. Mm-hmm. We were talking about potentially uh, the arrival. of. I mean, I was. You didn't think it was a possibility. Danny Simpson coming in. He was a right back.
4: Yeah. Um,
2: Has obviously played at Newcastle before. He's he's, he's from around the area. Most of his career has been from around the area. Um, But it looks like he's still under contract with Bristol. He left, but then he signed a one-year extension. I could be wrong on that. He might have left. He might have left. But, I mean, by the by anyway, isn't it? I mean, it'd be nice to see Danny Simpson come in for a season or two and uh, stabilise that right-back position if he is... Um, even if he's still at Bristol City, I reckon we should be allowed to talk to them after they stole Tanner.
4: But um... yeah, I did see—I uh, mean, like the 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 uh, football forums and things that I'm on—I did see a couple of comments from Bristol City fans, and uh, actually on Twitter, after signing, um, they were saying that's good. He can be a competition for Danny Simpson.
2: Ah. Right. Okay, then. Yeah, well, that's, that's all
4: confirmed by Wilson. Wilson. That's why you're here, mate. isn't it, really, just to just, just catch me on because my I Occasionally, we see what other fans. I have my ground outside of Carlisle, with like you know what's being said, what's being said by the other fans. Well, yeah, but, uh, I'm sure yeah I mean that's a couple of Bristol City fans.
2: That's what I love. That's what I love you for, mate. You've always got your finger on on the fan forums, and you always give us that little bit of cheeky insight, mate. That's 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 you know that's how you wear, that's how you earn your crust. <laughs> Not that I'm paying you. <laughs> <Sorry>. um, <right. laughs> we've done our Salford predictions, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Sorry, I was going to swiftly move on from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we've done, we've done, we've done those, mate. We've done our predictions for that, and uh, yeah, obviously we talked about Tanner. Uh, moving on so we may as well carry on talking about Tanner moving on the details of the deal uh is that tana has just moved to bristol city for an undisclosed figure believed to be in the region of 300k with a potential of another 200k in add-ons and bonuses and that kind of rubbish um it's a shame to see him go you can't blame him for going I think it's a little bit cheap. I think we could have got an extra 50 grand, maybe an extra 100 grand out of that deal. I think it's a little bit cheap considering how late in the market it is. Um, Obviously, if Tanner wants to go, it's hard to convince somebody to stay. But I'm pretty sure you could convince Tanner that he's worth worth a bit more than that. But because he's only got one year left on his contract, I believe Tanner... Yeah, that's the deciding factor. That's why I'm OK with 300k rising to 500. It's a, yeah, it's a, it, it, on paper, quite a good deal. hell of a shame to see him go. And it leaves a huge gap at right back.
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I'm, I'm not sure if any of this was related in any way to... Uh, uh, I don't know if there's a, a release clause in his contract. The Bristol City have met. I don't know what the details are. But I, I always assume that there are these clauses, and that, and that often that's that's why young players leave us. I feel like that must have been the case with Aaron Hayden. But I mean, like with it being so late, you know, in the transfer window, I, I don't think that gives us from Bristol City, but Bristol City, come and they. You know they want to speak to George Tanner, and George Tanner knows himself that uh, you know as soon as you heard Bristol City were interested, he wanted to go because it's um, it's a step up of two divisions. So you're kind of you know we're kind of a situation where we haven't got long to negotiate, and once you know once the players decided they want to leave, then if if they if the deal falls through for any reason, then are we actually going to have a, a good player still or are we going to risk having a player who who doesn't want to play for the club, who blames the club for getting in the way of his ambitions and, and who stops being as effective in the next in you know, a season up until January? at which point he then leaves. I mean,
2: super sad to see him go. Really good player. We were never going to be able to keep all of him for too much longer. Um, But it does start... Asking the question, mate. A lot of people have started pointing fingers and asking questions and doing some sums. And uh, there's been a couple of images flying around on social media of Carlisle United's recent transfer activities and sort of how much they've been bringing in and how much they've been putting out and the fact that they don't necessarily add up to a fair figure in a lot of Carlisle United fans minds and I'd have to agree with them mate um i mean i saw i saw a figure that apparently Jared Braithwaite's transfer fee has risen to and Carlisle have pocketed now a million pounds from that because he's had a couple of premier League appearances uh i don't know how true that is I don't, um but that's one thing to be said but there's still six figures involved in that transfer figure there was a Liam mccurrran who's at Leeds, that was a quarter of a million. Yeah. And then obviously Hayden went for a quarter of a million and now Tana has gone for potentially rising to half a million. So that's a lot of big money numbers. And the lab that we've brought in has been said to have been brought in on an undisclosed figure as well. Um, but that's I mean, I can't small. imagine... Yeah, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine that one being a crazy number anyway. Not not even worth people trying to find out how much it is, because even when figures are undisclosed, it's not that hard for people to pay somebody off that's close to the family to get a number or get close to a number. Like you know, it's it's really that's the press are weasels, aren't they? Um, But this is the way that. a lot of Carlisle fans have reacted is by doing sums and then scratching their heads and wondering, like, why aren't we investing the money? Why aren't we investing yeah. the money, Wills? Why? why where's I mean, the money gone, Wills? Where's all the Josh money gone? Josh Galloway.
4: Um, you know, people forget uh, Josh Galloway also went to Leeds. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Max,
2: you... Max Hunt uh, went to... Yeah, I know it wasn't a lot of money, but it was money.
4: And we went... Um, uh, we got the Sam Cosgrove money. Sam
2: Cosgrove money, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think people understandably want to know how come we've not gone into the transfer market with a big kitty that we can um, that we can try and compete with other clubs. for. and I've, I've I've and I've seen Exeter City fans asking similar questions because they've sold players for millions. Like in the last, in the last sort of maybe three or four years, um, Exeter City maybe raked in about a million and a half with transfer fees because they're quite good at it, Mm. and yet they're pretty much kind of always knocking around the same sort of part of the league that we are, and similar. You know, they're not making big signings, big money signings. You know, same as what we do. Don't really do marquee signings. Uh, my kind of view on why is just really risk averse, really risk averse management. That um, you know that the board kind of they kind of like hope that we can kind of like get out of League Two on the cheap. Whether they think that we can get into League One and then spend the money, I wouldn't bank on that. But it seems that they're hoping that because we've come fairly close on a few occasions without spending a lot of money, that they're maybe kind of thinking, just carry on doing what we're doing and a lot of averages will eventually get out. I I don't agree with that. I think you do need to kind of take some risks because every, you know, if, if the aim is to get into League One, then we can kind of like, look at every season that we spend in league two is costing us money because there's a lot more money to be had if you're in league one so like if we'd got promoted to league one four seasons ago we'd have made more money on account of that you know i mean you get more money just for being in league one but also you know we'd be able to sell players for more money because they'd have More pedigree behind them, but no, I think they're just really, really kind of risk averse.
2: Yeah, it seems to be that way. A lot of the chat that I saw around the comment sections after the back of the transfer, like I said, people were asking where's the money going. A lot of the explanations were that the club were in quite bad financial straits around the time that like Braithwaite went, and a lot of those fees came in. Uh, yeah. they went straight on debts they went straight on paying off debts for yeah. different things um, flood damages blah 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 like etc etc not flood but I mean like and then coronavirus impact and yeah. things like this that that obviously need need help out with and paying those bills and then obviously Hayden and Tanner their transfer fees only would have just came in like in the last like 10 days so you know you've got to give them a bit of time to like figure out what they want to do with the finances and cross the i's and dot the t's but it is a little bit disappointing that we haven't seen more activity from the board in the way of transfer activities on just a couple of marquee names and i don't make it sound a little bit blasé there just saying just a couple of marquee names but the money's in the bank you've got a year you offer someone a year contract now you're only paying them up until the end of you know, july june so even if you're if even if you're paying them two grand a year Just sign somebody up, get us a couple of marquee names, just do something. Give us something. Don't let the season be over now. Don't let the season be over already. We've got to compete. Give us something to grasp hold of. Um, And it looks like they've tried to. I'll swing that around. Um, It looks like they've tried to. And they've brought in a lad called Jordan Gibson. Um, previously played for Sligo Rovers over an island. And after speaking with Mark Boyd, apparently, uh, hopefully the drinking culture uh, isn't as existent as what it was when he was around at Sligo Rovers. and we've got ourselves uh. a professional a professional young player. Um, Comes from the background of uh, West Brom's training academy and then went to Stokes Academy, was snapped up by Rangers, played a lot of reserves team football, never played a first team game for Rangers, came over to England on a loan, played for Stevenage on loan and was released by Rangers and has since gone on to sign for Sligo where he scored a absolute viral classic uh, on YouTube. If you type in, uh, I think it was Waterlooville versus Sligo Rovers. He scores a hell of a volley, uh, very well captured by the cameras on uh, Irish TV. So good production values, well worth watching the goal there. Um, But, it's Sligo Rovers, mate. It's Sligo Rovers. Do you know what I mean? Um yeah. not wanting to be too disrespectful, but I'll have to repeat myself again. It's Sligo Rovers. It's not it's not this, it's not this division, it's not the English Football League, it's not big pedigree players, but sometimes you get wild cards and they work out for teams. More often than not, though, they need time to absorb the to the English sort of like League Two game, and then they get going. It's normally after we release them. When they get good, (laughs) because they've had a bit of time to adjust. And then we let them go and hit the ground running with the next team like Paddy Madden. That's exactly what happened there. He came over from behiniums, I think. But, nice to see us bring someone in. I can't figure out if he's a left-sided player or a right-sided player. He looks to be a left-sided player. Which means Dickinson might be under threat. His starting position might be under threat a little bit uh, on the left-hand side. But we do need more left-footed players. Not the position a lot of people would have expected us to be strengthening after what happened that day and what happened yeah. to Hayden. So it obviously shows that the Carlisle United's uh, director of football Holdsworth there has been busy looking around a whole lot of different options and maybe because the funds were available, he took a punt on this guy. What do, what do, what do you think of this guy, man? Uh, I
4: mean, I, twenty-three, 23
2: I, I got... years of age. Sorry, as well, twenty-three years of age. Yeah. Two-year deal.
4: He's a good age and he's, you know, he's had some experience with Bradford. Yeah, sorry, Bradford. We have, we have quite, uh, we have a decent record when it comes to picking up players who who have played either recently or at some point in the past for Bradford. Um, Joe Riley um, and Danny Devine and um, Amari Patrick uh, in, in recent years. And when I looked at the, um, there's a thing on transfer market where you can look at your team's transfer flow and who they're, and and who we're mostly signing players off or Mm. selling players to. And um, the number one for us is Bradford. Nice. Because we've signed players from Bradford. Uh, We didn't sign Bradford, but we signed Patrick and Divine from Bradford. Um, and then when two Bradford, such as Charlie White and Naki Wells, so you know yeah. if it can be, you know if you can if it can be as good as say Joe Riley or Emile Patrick, then, then then you know that's that's good. Yeah, we'll um... just have to wait and see.
2: It was quoted in the News and Star as saying, uh, uh, sorry, Chris Beach was quoted as saying that Jordan jumped at the opportunity to come to us. He knows he's progressed as a player and he's chomping at the bit to make an impact in the English Football League. So uh, sorry, that was Dave, That was a quote from David Holdsworth there. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just to uh, clarify my sources there. So positive, you know, all the signs are there. Hopefully we've got ourselves a little bit of a assassin and uh, a player that a lot of teams around us might have been looking at, but didn't want to take the chance on because, you know, Sligo Rovers. Um, but I'll, I won't say that again. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let that go. Yeah. Uh, the last little bit of transfer rumours, <laughs> mate, that I've got is that apparently little Jimmy Tiore wants to go back to Hartlepool and... Um, I mean, it didn't get off the bench against Hartlepool. A lot of managers like yeah. to play players against their old team because there's a bit of spice attached to it. But there we go, mate. That didn't happen. And Jimmy Tiore is heavily linked with going back to Hartlepool. What do we, what do we think of that? Would he be missed if he went? Would we bring back Sam Fishburn from loan? And would that be his First opportunity to
4: shine? Yeah. I don't know if Hartlepool. I mean, I, I don't think Hartlepool necessarily want him back. They, um, their fans don't think that much of him. <laughs> and when he originally, and when he originally signed for us, I think their fans kind of thought they were kind of, they kind of like viewed it almost as if he'd been allowed to go because he was considered surplus to requirements. Mm. They, you know, they didn't view it as if we've come in and nicked him off them. Um, but then it's a complicated one because he did you know uh, quite well for them in terms of goal scoring Um, I I don't think I don't think Hartlepool are interested in him I don't think Tramir are interested in him either because they were linked with him previously that was also yeah yeah according to the Tramir fans they're looking for a a uh, a Pacey a Pacey player I'm not sure like you know Jimmy Turi, I don't think he's particularly fast. He's not slow, but he's not—he's not a pacey winger. He's an no. average wing. He's an average speed winger. Yeah, I think that's fair. moo. So like, <laughs> like Amoo yeah, was. Amoo was fast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, not but, very effective, um, though, was it? Yeah, well, nevertheless, um, <laughs> the, the the Tramia fans that I know are. Disc- at the time the Toure was linked with them, described what their club are looking for in the transfer market, and it didn't sound like Jimmy Toure. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I, I'd I'd rather keep hold of him.
2: I think he's a good option. You get you gave him that extra year extension recently, so um, he, yeah, get get, it, get him on and give him some games if that's what you intend to do. He'll probably end up playing tonight. It'll probably be him in Impala up front tonight, maybe uh, against Hartlepool. We'll see. I mean, we'll
4: Tranmere have just signed Nicky Maynard,
2: so... Oh, they like signing up the granddads, don't they? Jesus.
4: Oh,
2: they do. <laughs> <laughs> they do, they do, they do, they really do. Uh, they value experience over there at Tranmere. Um, in wider, wider footballing news, and since we've been talking about how Carlisle United have been spending we can talk about Carlisle United's most expensive ever signing, Joe Garner. Joe Garner has returned to the English Football League and has joined Fleetwood Town. Um, Joe Garner in 2007, Wills. Yeah. We paid £140,000 for Joe Garner in 2007. Like fourteen years ago, that was our yeah. that was our last big spend. Fourteen years ago, and it just puts that whole conversation we had earlier into a little bit more perspective, as that the way that we just haven't had any an investment in a very long time.
4: I mean, that was that was kind of Fred's story, wasn't it? So things were maybe a bit different then, and. He knew though... how to play the
2: game, Story. He knew he was signing a young, talented player, and he knew if he gave him a three-year contract and signed him up, and he, he was in the first team week in, week out, and he carried on scoring goals, he was going to sell him for more money than he bought him for, and that's what he did. And that's what good owners do. They take. That's what good businessmen do. They take risks on investment and people, yeah. and they double I the mean, value.
4: Yeah, I mean, I will give him this, though. Uh, not them. Um, I will, kind, you know, uh, give the board that if it was if it was that simple then a lot of other clubs in the league would would be doing it but i think i mean when we be signed, wrong. you need the money you need the money to buy the players in the first place yeah and when we signed joe garner um i think we were we you know we must have there must have been competition for him because most of the time other clubs have already identified that such and such player has you know has a big future ahead of them and resale value. Um, we did when we got um Charlie Wake, we paid money for him, but mm. um you know uh, fought off Hartleypool and I think a couple of others. That was sold so, for a profit as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So um yeah so I don't know it's kind of not necessarily that easy to do because the you know the players that we that do get signed at this level for money, but then sold for even more money. They're not necessarily bargains. You, you know, you do have to kind of like spend a bit to buy them. Um, but I think it kind of comes back to what I said about our board being risk averse is that, you know, you can, you can never actually know that you're going to sell them for the profit. You could, we could have You know, we're going to pay that money for Joe Garner for Joe Garner, and then him have a career-ending injury the next, you know, within the next year, and and you end up not recouping any of it. Yeah, but you don't buy buy a football club,
2: then, mate. Don't buy a football club if you're not up for the risk and reward.
4: I mean, I think that's a thing, though. They're not, they, the, the owners that we've got don't really want to own a football club specifically. <laughs> there you know, we go. <laughs> they're not, you know, I mean, they're not Fred Story who who came in because he wanted to, or John Courtney who came in because he wanted to buy a football club or, or even Michael Knighton. You know, they are people who were already involved in the running of the club and who have taken it over, but not necessarily out of ambition, but out of a sense that... It was the right thing to do at the time. which They thought, um, I, I don't know what the situation was at the time. Whether anyone else could have bought the club,
2: well, I feel like I feel like every now and again, so, mate. I mean, every like, now every and I, again, they just start some rumours to say that there's someone coming in to buy the club. And I reckon they just do that yeah. to just like get the prop, just to get the share prices to spike a little bit or whatever. Do you know what I mean? They just feel like,
4: yeah, they, maybe. They, <laughs>
2: never they're just trying to keep themselves out there like they're actually still on the market when I don't feel like anyone's i don't feel like they're actively looking for investors mate I really don't i don't feel they're act- i i feel like the milk they're milking this team uh they're uh, milking this club now because uh, if you want to sell a football club, they could have done it by now. Yeah. They could have easily done it by now. If you don't want the headache, and they keep going on about we want to hand That's it over family. to a safe want... pair of hands, yeah. we want a safe pair of hands to have the football club. Yeah. Well, it's like at the at the end of the day, like let's 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 just have a bloody vote. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's 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 just come on, like, hand it over to the fans. You know, it's I don't know. I don't. I mean, how much? A Carling like United on paper, I, I have no idea how much it would cost. But I mean. Pfft. People have got that kind of money. Some people have got that kind of money. There's enough people in the world that have that kind of money that want to buy a football team.
4: Yeah, I mean, like, people came in and um, uh, were eventually knocked back because, and the club, according to the directors, we should say, this isn't our opinion or my yeah. opinion. This nope. is what the directors said at the time, mm-hmm. that they didn't think the person who came in to buy the club was the right kind of person. What's that about? <laughs> they 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 just didn't like him. Yeah, I mean I what's that
2: about? You've got to let us but you've gotta you've gotta put it for you've gotta tell the fans who it is. Yeah. You've gotta let us form our opinion. Because you hand you handing our club over. You know what I mean?
4: Oh yeah, but I mean we know who it is. It's kind mm. of you know, it's kind of well known. I I mean like I I, th- I think you' probably you know we know that it's Andrew lapping, yeah because we you know and all I'm saying is that you know that was a a potential bid to buy the club with Andrew lapping and other people involved, some of whom were named, not all of them it was like a bit of a consortium, right. and the board entertained it for a bit and then backed out and it was a very vague reason that they gave. Um, was that they didn't think that he was a safe pair of hands. So, you know, they didn't kind of go into detail why and maybe they can't because of legal reasons that mm-hmm. you can't but I don't know, they did kind of like, they were quite like negative about him and he, you know, he posts quite a bit on the official forum. I don't know if he still does. So he's, you know, he's clearly a fan. Um, yeah. But I don't, you know, so, but you know, but I don't know, I don't know myself what it's like. Um, you know what his bid was like. Um, the the board clearly felt at the time that if they handed it over to the club over to him, that it wouldn't be good for the club. Um, something about their dealings with him they felt weren't right, or something about the way he conducted himself, they felt wasn't right. And, you know, I think we've kind of like talked again, they have these quite risk averse views. And, you know, maybe somebody, I, you know, again, I don't know really anything about Andrew lapping or about what you plan to do. But if he is somebody who's going to come in and, and, and maybe take more risks, maybe that's, maybe that is their definition of not being the right kind of person. Yeah. So, I mean, Uh, I don't want to say too much because stuff might have gone on behind the scenes. For all we know, the board are absolutely right, and he was, um, you know, the wrong person in some way. For all we know, things just went badly between them and they fell out. Um, It is possible, though, that it is just a case of, basically, the board wants somebody who's going to come in and be as conservative as they are and as avoidant of taking risks as they are so yeah. free to go through this with the lawyer and see what stuff you need to cut out <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always worry when you kind of like start talking about um some sort of business dealings that have been mentioned in the media as to whether you are actually allowed to talk about them I don't I'm sure know. they're in the public domain if
2: they're <laughs> yeah. on the free media, then surely they're in the public domain. <laughs> surely, um, but yeah, man, I mean, right? I mean, ah, good crack, mate. But at the end of the day, it's it's been, it's been a long yeah. week for Carlisle United fans, it's been a long week for Carlisle yeah. United fans, and it's not stopping anytime soon. Uh, obviously, next week we'll be able to talk about if you want to come back on next week, Wills. Uh, we'll be able to talk <laughs> about um. What, what, who we signed on transfer deadline day, who we didn't sign on transfer deadline day, maybe. Yeah, um, really and and then the we might maybe. do a bit more complaining about the lack of money being yeah. spent if we didn't bloody bring anyone in. Um, but obviously we'll find that all out next week. I'll end things like we normally do, Wills, me and you. We normally yeah. end things by talking nowadays about a little bit of world football news. We've recently yeah. spoken about Messi's transfer saga and him signing at PS. And you took the front foot on that one. Uh, But I want to talk a little bit about his counterpart. And when you think about Messi's counterpart, I feel like most people jump to Ronaldo. And that's who I'm talking about. Cristiano Ronaldo has signed on the dotted line for Manchester United. The Messiah has returned home. Uh, He won't get his number seven shirt back off Cavani, I don't think. So uh, I don't think it's been released what number he's going to wear. Um, Obviously, as Carlo United fans, you probably don't care what number Ronaldo's going to be wearing. But it is big football news, mate. It's lovely to see Ronaldo back in the Premier League. I'm looking forward to matching the day again. Uh, Not that I wasn't, I love match of the day, um, but it gives me an extra, extra reason to be extra, extra excited to watch match of the day. Is that Ronaldo's back in the Premier League, mate? Ronaldo's back in the Premier League and surely only English football can benefit from that, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's always good to see that some of the top players, and, you know, granted he is 36 now, but, um, you know, some of the top players in the world still view the... Premier League as being a place to be whether I That's... care all that much I don't know but um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean the
2: difference in quality though if you, if, if people yeah. are going to keep drawing the comparison between Messi and Ronaldo then you've got to draw the comparison between league un and the Premiership and it's completely different kettle of fish it really yeah. is the premier league is is 8 9 times 10 times more challenging and more diverse and difficult than la liga, la liga than league will ever wish to be uh, especially this yeah. year uh, league Un is is a, is a one-trick pony, very much so. And uh, if PSG focus on the league, then they will win it. Uh, if they focus yep. on the Champions League, they might not win the league. So, uh, but it almost feels like it's a choice that they get to make uh, because they don't necessarily care about winning the league anymore because they're not going to get validated as a footballing dynasty until 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 they win uh, the Champions League, and that seems to be their number one focus right now. A lot of people, like you did mention in the messy chat that Ronaldo yeah. might be going over to join PSG as well. Um, if that happened, you'd want PSG to lose every single game forever and ever. Uh, and you were quite rightly so. But him going back to Man United makes sense. The, the yeah. rumour was when he got on the aeroplane that he was going to Manchester City. Within about 12 hours, that was quashed. Uh, about a couple of hours after that, Man City pulled out of the deal altogether. <laughs> and uh yeah i mean ronaldo was in manchester at that point pictures were emerging of him around old trafford and then that's it the news broke that they were in discussions and it's very exciting stuff and it's a nice note to finish the podcast on this week um and yeah we're going to leave it there will's mate so uh thank you very much for joining me (laughs) this week on the blue army podcast mate um Bloody yeah, LA. Yeah, it's been
4: great. Um, you know, I mean, next time I'll come back. I, I will have actually watched a match, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> that'll be will be the
4: that'll be the Salford game as well. And we'll, yeah. we'll probably
2: talk. We'll probably talk a little bit uh, about the uh, the English Football League Trophy, the uh, the Pizza Cup, uh, that, I, that I like to call it. We'll probably talk a little bit about whatever result that turns out to be uh, tonight. Obviously, the listeners will know that by the time this comes out, um, but. That doesn't really matter. We didn't really talk about it that much anyway. <laughs> so, thank you very much for joining us, Wills. Thank you very much it's for joining great to us. Be on. Fantastic. Thank you very much for the compliments. Um, but thank you very much for the listeners as well for listening to us having our little rambles. Uh, the Loud and Local segment this week is one of my friend's podcasts called the Prawn Sandwich Podcast. You might have heard of them before because I've been on there and they've been on here and I've plugged them before. So uh, this is one of their episodes that they do called the, uh, the Football Manager Chronicles, Will, uh, basically, all three of them have different campaigns on Football Manager. And okay. some of them, two of them, in fact, have retro databases. So I think one of them's around 96, and I think one of them's around 2002. And one okay. of them's playing in the modern day. And uh, one of them's got a save of Aston Villa, and he's got Dion Dublin in his team. Uh, so it's that era, that kind of a yeah. squad. And the other one's over in Italy, and he's just signed a, young, he's just signed a very young Ronaldinho to go and play in his midfield at Florentina, I believe it is, with uh Stuta. Uh, So uh, it's just good crack, mate. It's good crack. They've gone through a couple of episodes of the Football Manager Chronicles, and I quite enjoy listening to them. And if you get into them, it's a good good couple of hours worth of content that you'll make your way through. Kind of story-based, you know what I mean? I kind of like it. Good Hmm. stuff, good stuff. Uh, But yeah, Wills, mate, thank you very much for joining me, buddy. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Let me just. I don't know. I was oh, nice
3: uh, and well. Good having them on. Nice, nice to put a face to them finally. <laughs> <laughs> um. With the bite, really. Jamie, just take over. <laughs> 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 Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... This week is like the first part of a of a series we're going to do where we just we've all started football manager saves at the same time and uh, we're going to review them It's kind of stemmed off the back of first lockdown when um, the three of us all done a a network save and we're yeah, up to yeah. we're up to like half three four a.m. in the morning because nobody had any work to go do or anything and uh, we we wish we'd done it back then but it was just it was like an afterthought so. uh... i'd love to be able to go back and do that one like like, like, all over again like (laughs) no like i'd love to just go back and just look over the because it was like two and a half seasons we did wasn't it like just go back and document it all but um there there was absolutely no way we could manage that this time around doing a network save um still working and that and it just would just would never happen so we've all started our (laughs) own saves and um, we're doing different versions of the game and different databases and stuff. So I'm doing the FM20 and uh, sure. database for the 99-2000 season, which was created by the lads at the FM, what was it called? Bear with us. The FM Retro Group on Twitter. So big shout out to them for spending months putting this together because it's, uh, it's unreal once you get into it and that the amount of time that's spent into it. Um, what what are you doing, Dill? What, what version of, hey, of the game? Swear, of just, a, just a normal game. Just new, the new game, Football Manager 21. So, cheese uh, making another version of that.
0: And, uh,
3: <laughs> and Nath? <laughs> Nath I'm, doing the, doing I'm doing the same database as you, Jamie, doing mate? The same database as me. I will right, sound. Well, start off with me then. Um, originally, I was going to go Fiorentina on this and then try and finally win the CDR with uh, Gabriel Batistuta. <laughs> in the side <laughs> and then at the last minute changed my mind and went palmer so again though a team that didn't win the league in the night is that maybe probably should hence why i've got the the palmer top on today from that season as well <laughs> um loaded it up got started had a look at the squad and was like oofed the squad was unreal crespo taram uh buffon cannavaro dino baggio Ariel Ortega, which I totally forgot about <laughs> that side. Uh, the Brazilian Amoroso that uh, moved to Dortmund. Yeah. Yeah. Like a couple of seasons after that, he was in. So, like, my starting 11 was absolutely mint to start with. Um, but my, my, my initial finances and budget was only like 26 million in the bank, and the board were only given us is like 6.7 million. Before it even started this save, I had an idea in my head that I wanted to sign Ronaldinho from Gremio. Like that was what I was gonna build this entire save on. And then you know the rules in Italy where you can only sign two non-EU players each season. Yeah. yeah. Quarter had already been filled. <laughs> so I couldn't even sign him. And the and the players that had already been filled by was George Bolano, who was like a 22-year-old Colombian midfielder, he was cack. And um, Johnny A. Montano, who's another Colombian attacking mid, he was only sixteen year old, so totally wasted the the non EU <laughs> allowance that was allowed. So that totally like ruined my plans straight away. No Ronaldinho. You not try and yeah. sell them? Sign him. it doesn't work like that because you've already used them to sign it. Because I've tried oh, that before I in didn't save. Yeah. Um, but I still needed to generate some money anyway. To although I was happy with my side, I still wanted a defensive midfielder because the formation I opted to play was a uh, 4-4-2, four, uh, four, four, but a diamond with backs basically <laughs> playing as low-lying wingers. So originally I would have been playing a 4-2-3-1, but the Ronaldinho thing just totally ruined everything for us. Um So <laughs> I, I sold uh, Mario Stanich to Chelsea for 14 million. So ni- nice little tie-in with actual real life there as well.
4: Mario Stanich. Uh-huh.
3: Luigi Sato sold him to Lyon. Um, a few reserve players are sold. What was really annoying was George Bolano is so rubbish, like he's not going to get anywhere near the first team. So I, like, I loaned him out. So, that's, again, that non-EU thing, just annoying us every step of the way. Um, signed Mark Van Bommel from PSV, 7 mil. Oh, wow. Deep playing playmaker. Beat my new to the signing of him as well, which was quite nice. Um, I've got Andrea Perlo on loan from Inter. Um, just as a backup attacking midfielder. Carl Puyol, uh, 550 grand. That was his release clause because he, he was only like 20-year-old or something. So that's cover for right back and centre-half. Um, Antonio Cassano from Bari. Oh, what a player. A uh, 16-year-old or something. And uh, Fabian O'Neill, can you mind him? Uruguayan attacking midfielder. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He was pure sought after on the game and managed to get him for 850 grand, like plus add-ons and that. And he's like attributes on it are unreal going from Cagliari. so that 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 was my transfers in anyway what was what was really like with it being like a bit of a mad database with it being like 99 and 2000, um noticing the other transfers that were going on so here's just a list of some like pure random transfers that popped up <laughs> Nigel Winterburn from Arsenal to PSG <laughs> <laughs> Phil Neville on loan to Udinese. And, uh And, you know, Blackburn had just been relegated to the Championship. Champions yeah. So, like, loads yeah. of their players were sought after on the game. Jason Wilcox moved to Leicester for 8.75 mil. That's cheap. <laughs> that's cheap. <laughs> uh, Callum Davidson moved to Wolves for 4.3 million. Jesus <laughs> I made us think Blackburn would be a mint save on that game. You could generate loads of coin. Oh yeah. Because they've still got Jansen and Duff and Div- David. Duff. Um, anyways, back to Palmer. Me uh <laughs> obviously I don't know if you do it, but I just friendlies, I just set my assistant to manage friendlies. I can't be asking for <coughs> all of these. yeah. Um, so through the friendlies I beat uh some team called PSMS, Medan 4-1, lost to Sampdoria 1-0 and then I beat Como, Cesena, 3-0 apiece and then one 1-0 against Olympiacos. And my uh, my main starting eleven that I wanted to have would have been Buffon in goal, is my captain as well, uh, Taram and Cannavaro centre-half, uh, Vanoli, left-wing back, Diego Fuse, uh, right-wing back, Alain Hossian. Defensive mid, and then Van Bommel and Baggio in centre mid. Ariel, Ariel Ortega in cam with Hernan Crespo and Amoroso up top. And uh, I thought oh, I definitely got a good chance of winning the league here. So that, that that was basically pre-season. So my first fi- my fixture list. When I looked at that, I had an opening game away at Fiorentina. Then I was at home to Juve. Then away to Roma. Then at home to Winter. Jesus. Nice. What a minging four games to open with. So, what's your goal? Win the league. Um, like that's why this this, this what you say it is. Challenge for the Syria is what the board want, but my goal is to win the league with Palmer. That's my. That's what yeah, I've got. Yeah, yeah. i, I, I sack the board. Nah, that's that, that's what I want to do. Like yeah, win it, the it, league it, with Palmer.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's.